The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Empty backfield on second and seven. And Ziri split out towards the top of your screen. Quick toss and a great grab by Tavon Smith. Smith on the run. Smith to the 10. And Smith for the touchdown. 55 yards from Rudock to Smith. And for Tavon Smith, his first touchdown. One minute, 25 seconds in to the second half. And Iowa scoring on its opening drive for only the second time this season in the second half. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters notebook shows in this podcast. This one features Susan Dank who looks back at the Hawks' come-from-behind win over Michigan in Kinnick Stadium. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten Coaches Call. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which include Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week with Steve Batterson. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Glenn Mason. A very good job calling this game. We appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated, as always, in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call this week. Here's some of what he had to say about the play of Adam Cox and the importance of fullbacks in Iowa's offense, about the importance of continuity in Iowa's offensive line this season, about whether he's warmed to the idea of playing on Black Friday, about Jake Rudock's play in the Michigan game and the importance of experiencing comeback success, and about embracing Nebraska as a season-ending conference rivalry. Really, I think one of the best stories on our team are our fullbacks, both Adam and uh, Macon Pleva. Both scout team guys a year ago and uh, playing on defense, and both of them are, are uh, moved over in the spring and have done a wonderful job. So, you know, you have a lot of other guys that maybe get more notoriety and more, more, a little bit more fanfare, better known. But uh, certainly for us, you know, fullbacks are very, very important on our football team, have been historically, and, uh, you know, we probably have as good a set of fullbacks as we've ever had. And, but both those guys work hard. They've done a good job, and, and and uh, on top of that, now they're just tremendous young guys. And, you know, Macon couldn't go uh, Saturday, so we were down to Adam and uh, Mark Weissman in the hole. And, and Adam had a nosebleed uh, that they had actually had to cauterize a little bit before the game. So he wasn't out there for much of pregame. So it just kind of you know, keeps it exciting. But uh, he's a tremendous young guy as well as being a good football player. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's helped, but I think just overall continuity of the whole whole system. You know, we, we uh, as you know, we've gone through a pretty uh, significant change here over the last two years. Uh, we've had six new coaches join the staff, so we're kind of retooling here for the for the second shift, if you will. And, you know, it, it's been a process, certainly, and uh, I think the guys are, are certainly uh, better versed in what we're trying to do now. All of us are. Uh, you know, there's a lot of new stuff that uh, we, we incorporated a year ago spring, so it's been a, a process, and there's no question, though, that the uh, development of the line has helped an awful lot and uh, you know last year at this time we didn't have really much you know depth at all and didn't know much about our running backs I think we were a little healthier at that position and you know gaining ground certainly at the receiver position too compared to, to you know, last year so I think all in all we're, we're improved in all areas but uh, and then our you know our young quarterback who no, nobody really knew about coming into the year uh, how he was going to play he's done a great job as well so you know, a lot of positives and certainly more than a year ago. I've warmed to it mainly because uh, don't have a choice in the matter, you know. So uh, it's it's just reality, and uh, so hey, embrace it. Uh, personally, I'd still I think it's it's you know it used to be nice when the kids had a week uh, week to go home and get away from football, get away from coaches, and get away from everything school. Uh, but that you know that 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 that's changed. You know we we got you know gas gas powered cars now, and you know we're not driving in horse and buggies. It's it's just not going to go back. So you embrace it and try to. Uh, this year's been great because we had two bye weeks, so we we had uh, two opportunities for our players to get off campus a little bit uh, for a couple of days. And I, I just think it's healthy. Somehow, some way, guys, you know, guys need to get away from things. And, uh, you know, this isn't the NFL. You know, we don't play a 16- or 20-game season. And it's important for guys to have a chance to breathe a little bit and maybe spend some time on on their uh, classwork with their girlfriends or, you know, whatever they want to do besides the football. I think it's just somehow you got to build that into the schedule. Well, I think, you know, not only quarterbacks, but teams, uh, you know, it's all part of a process. And uh, until you've done something and experienced and, and uh, experienced it and really gone through it, yeah, you can talk about those things, you can cite illustrations, but it, it's good for, for players to go through everything. And, you know, sometimes uh, losing and, and, you know, good experience and hardship can be a benefit too. So, yeah, it certainly was a positive and, and uh, you know, the game couldn't have started any worse. I mean, they had a perfect uh, call against our call and had a touchdown in less than, you know, five seconds. So the game couldn't have started any, any worse for us. You know, but one thing about Jake all season long, no matter what happens, he seems to be resilient to it. And you know, we played in pretty significant wind uh, the last time out before this game Saturday. It was a, I think I read it was the coldest game in Kinnick, Kinnick history. And Jake's from Southern Florida, you know, so he's you'd never know it. I mean, he just he handles seems to handle whatever comes his way, including his third organic chemistry test last Wednesday. It just doesn't seem to affect him, which is a really good trait. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can make it one. We haven't beaten them in a while. So, I mean, like decades. You know, it's just, I, but I think, you know, it's probably good. We used to play Minnesota at the end of the year, and now, now it's uh, here in this way. And I'm a, a fan of the short week other than, I would say, you know, when you get into week 10, 11, 12, I'm, I think I'm all for it. You know, it's uh, things happen a lot faster, so it's great. Now we're actually sneaking out, you know, after the game, our guys will be free to, to go home for a couple of days, too. So I think that's a benefit. They just happen to be the 12th game, but uh, to play them is, it's always a great challenge, and, and and one we're going to have to get ready for. Rudock on the play fake, in some trouble. Jake Ryan hit it, it's intercepted, and it's a touchdown. Brennan Byer after the pressure from Jake Ryan with the pick six, and Michigan takes the lead. Critical mistake by Rudock. If someone's in your face and you can't see it, just throw the ball away.
just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter, at Susan Dank. Susan looks back at the Michigan game and more. Susan, your overall thoughts from the senior day win over Michigan. It's Iowa's first, as hard as this is to believe, first come from behind victory this year. A mistake-filled first half that turned into redemption in the second half, and that was redemption for the coaches as well as the players. Quite opposite from what we've seen you know, most of the season, where they have that strong first half and then just kind of fall apart that second half. But it could be, I mean, you're maybe a little too late in the season to, to have that turnaround you know, with only one regular season game left. But you know, it was really good to see, especially for the seniors, to go out at Kinnick with the win and you know the way they did it and everything was you, know, you felt really good for the players and, and the coaching staff the way it all turned out in the end that's uh, a record third straight uh, victory over the wolverines at kinnick stadium they trailed 21 to 7 at the half then they scored those 17 unanswered points very importantly they improved to 7 and 4 4 and 3 in the big 10 they now lead michigan actually in the legends division and i doubt if michigan's going to beat ohio state this weekend they also should have uh, improved their bowl slotting and even more so if they could possibly beat Nebraska this Friday in Lincoln. Yeah, you know, the, the wins over Michigan really kind of surprised me because one, I think Big Ten, I think, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, those are the big two that are always there. And for Michigan to be so down this season has been really a big surprise. And I, I think they're scratching their heads in Ann Arbor, too, trying to figure out what exactly is, is going wrong. But great way for Iowa to go out of the home season, improve that bowl hierarchy there. You know, for a while, we didn't know if they'd get to number six. It was kind of looking iffy the way they had been playing, especially in the second half of ball games. You know, but, but to go out like that after, and I don't want to say struggling at Purdue, but maybe not putting Purdue away like you thought they could have, considering you know, how bad Purdue is this year. You know, to come back and then have a great win like that and, and improve their bowl situation. And, you know, just, I think for the confidence of the guys, it was just a different post-game interview after this one. You just, you kind of felt a little different about it. I know, I, I believe Kirk said that they, that they grew up on Saturday. And you could kind of feel that just talking to the players after the game that you kind of had a sense that, you know, maybe this is the turning point. And like I said, it's kind of sad and, and, you know, disappointing. It's a turning point this late in the season, but it's nice that they finally got to that point. Some of the writers after the game used the term owned, as in the Hawkeyes owned Michigan after halftime. 17 points scored. Iowa did not allow a single point by the Wolverines. Iowa had 237 yards offense in the second half. Michigan only scraped together 45. It's the first time this year where Iowa lost the turnover battle, four turnovers to one, but won the game, and oh, by the way, the coldest game in Kinnick Stadium history. I would not have wanted to be down on that field, <laughs> especially looking at some of those players with you know, no long sleeves on under their, 
their jerseys. Wow, it, it was ridiculous. Iowa came out and you just, you know, that, that first play, that interception return for a touchdown, and you just kind of went, oh no, you know, they're, they're going to fall apart. They're not going to be able to do this. And, you know, all of a sudden Michigan's leading, and, and Michigan didn't look good. I and mean, you, you didn't think they were dominating at all, but Iowa was hurting themselves. And we talked all season about making adjustments at halftime. And, and I don't know that this is so much as an adjustment, more so than Iowa just all of a sudden wasn't making the mistakes in the second half. They came out and they played their football. They weren't turning over the ball in the second half. They were playing their defense. You know, they found some kind of offense, you know, scoring on that first possession in the third quarter really set the tone for that second half. You know, three plays, 55-yard touchdown. And, and you could really kind of feel it turning. And they just really, I mean, the defense, of course, again, was great. And you could, they just, they really did. They owned it. They took over and they just found something in that second half that just had been missing after halftime and just about every game this year. Well, let's talk some more about Iowa's offense. It kind of starts and ends with the play of uh, quarterback Jake Rudock. He had, I'm pretty sure most people would say, his worst uh, half of the year in that first half, at the least of which was the opening play of the game for Iowa when he threw a pick six that wasn't helped any by Greg Davis' somewhat curious play call on that one. But then he had an incredible second half turnaround. And again, you watch a kid, especially a first-year starter, who never seems to get rattled no matter what's going on in the game. Yeah, it was just amazing because you could really, you know, after three interceptions, you can really think, oh, he's just going to give up and that's going to be that. To watch him come out and play the second half that he did, I mean, even after that first interception, you know, they came back and scored the touchdown on the pass at the door with. He, he didn't give up. He didn't say, oh, this isn't my day. He, he just kept going at it and it really did have that great second half. It started immediately out of the locker room. A couple of runs by Kenzeri and then, you know, the 55-yard pass to Smith just really really started them out really well. And you know, then they had some three and outs and they just couldn't get anything going. But you no, know, it was cold. It was windy. I think the wind affected things more than they really wanted to admit there in the post game. But, but his mental capacity to just leave that behind and to come back is just amazing. And if he can keep that up, he really is going to have a great future. But you did the first couple of possessions. You just kind of looked at what he was doing. It's like, oh, this is a really young quarterback. But sometimes with the way he plays, you do forget that. He had an incredible pass efficiency rating of over 197 in the second half, and that was even with three passes batted down, which seemed to be a problem kind of all day long there. And he was 4-4 in the in the important fourth quarter going into the win. You know, he kind of just goes about the business and, you know, it, it kind of was easy to forget about, or not forget about, but maybe kind of overlook, um, you know, because they did kind of go back to that run game and they were getting all the guys in there and, and, and running the ball. He did do a fabulous job, especially, you know, going into that fourth quarter, that possession where they, they scored to, to tie the game. He had great passes. He had 10 yards, 10 yards, 17 yards. You know, and they weren't just these short little things. They you know, they were going exactly where he wanted them to go and, and where only his receivers could catch them. And he was, it was just looking fabulous. And it really gives you hope for next year and, and hopefully even this game against Nebraska coming up. If you were watching the game, you were sitting there thinking, well, this is a fairly balanced offensive attack for Iowa, even though the final stats showed uh, more success through the air than on the ground. But they ended up with uh, 407 yards compared to Michigan's 158. Uh, Iowa had 239 through the air. Passing, Rudock was 19 for 30 with three picks, but two TDs. And again in this game, 10 different Hawkeyes caught passes. He really does a nice job of spreading that around. He does. You know, last year there was always that knock on, on Vandenberg that he'd always look for that one receiver. Um, but it, it seems like Rudock does not do that. He has all his tight ends. He can use the, the running backs are really involved in that 
that passing game. He had the receivers that he goes to. And what was kind of surprising to me was Martin Manley only had two catches, totaling 20 yards in the game. So usually he's the go-to guy. He's the one who can make the big plays. But they really were able to spread it around, and I think that really keeps the defense off balance because they don't really know who it's going to go to. You mentioned the uh, touchdown pass to C.J. Fedorowicz in the first half. That was one of the few highlights offensively in that frame. That was really critical, but the thing, the one play that seemed to just switch momentum completely in the entire game was his 55-yard scoring strike to start the second half to Tavon Smith, who made a great catch and a terrific run after the catch. He did, and you know, that's something that you don't see a lot out of Iowa, that they get a lot of yards after the catch. You know, a lot of times, it, I don't know if it's the, the rough they're running and they can't break free or, you know, what's going on, but they don't, they're not able to, to catch it in stride and get those yards after the catch. And, you know, that he was able to, to pull it in, you know, with the receiver, or the defender right there. And, you know, go for that 55-yard run it was just you know, great to see and something that was very thoroughly needed at that point. And a pass that was of equal importance to the two touchdown passes probably was his 12-yard pass on third and nine to Fedorowicz in the game's final drive. Got a first down. Michigan had used its last timeout, and that was icing on the cake. In terms of rushing, Iowa had 168 yards. Many of those rushes were key plays in sustaining drives. And you have to remember, Michigan's defense was ranked number four in the Big Ten in rush defense coming into this game. I think they used the running back pretty wisely in this game. Um, and, you know, I know there's been criticism in the past on how they are, you know, putting, you know, Weissman and Kanzari and Bullock in there in different situations. But I, I think they used them pretty wisely in this game. You know, they used Weissman a lot in those short yardage situations where you know he's going to be able to carry some defenders with him and, you know, bull through that defense and, and get those yards that they need for a first down, whether it's on whatever down it's going to be. Um, you know, then Kanzari, of course, can you break those big runs and is, is, is quicker than Weissman. So I think they did a great job and, and kind of picking and choosing where they were going to put in certain backs in this game, which, you know, I, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot in previous games. I don't know if that was just, you know, Weissman's been a little banged up, so I don't know if that was the injury situation or just the play calling or what it was, but that was something that I, I did notice in this game, that they really used specific guys in, in specific situations, and it, it turned out really well. The Weissman had his best game probably in at least five weeks. In some of those runs of his, including the nine-yard touchdown run, uh, the, uh, and as well as some of the big runs up through the middle inside zone especially, he looked like the Mark Wiseman from the beginning of the year when he was running over people. And, and you saw Jordan Kanzeri be a spark again to really generate. In fact, the two plays they ran before Tavion Smith's 55-yard touchdown, it was Kanzeri ripping some holes through Michigan's defensive line. And then you had uh, Damon Bullock didn't have a lot of stats coming out of the game, but he had a couple of key runs uh, that were important in sustaining drives. So all in all, a really nice balanced attack in terms of run and pass. Michigan, by all reports, blitzed far more in this game than they have all year long. And it really, that appeared to cause issues for Iowa, especially in the first half. But even with all of that blitzing and, and the hurries they got on Rudock, Iowa's offensive line played pretty well overall. And you would have to say anytime you're racking up 407 yards on any Michigan team, that's 
a pretty good day for the offensive line. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one sack, that's all That's all they got to him. You know, if you hurried a couple batted passes, or I don't know if that's more of the wind than, you know, anything else, if you don't want to put ball up there too much and have the wind carry it. Um, yeah, but the line has been doing just a fabulous job protecting him, opening holes for the backs, and just everything they've been doing, they, they really have done just a great job. You know, you know Michigan has a lot of different problems offensively, defensively, just kind of all over the board, but even, you know, to put that many yards up against any Michigan team is just a great accomplishment. Now, while we talked about Iowa kind of being a tale of two halves in terms of offense, defensively, Iowa's defense was pretty darn good both halves in this game. The defense only gave up 14 points. Those were all in the first half, and it was an outstanding game called by defensive coordinator Phil Parker, probably his best in the two years on the job. It was a great game by that defense. You knew coming in, you know, you had Devin Gardner, who was just going to be thread on the ground and through the air, and they did just a fabulous job on him. You know, they've had trouble with mobile quarterbacks in the past, and that's been a knock on, on Iowa's defense, but they really limited what he did. He had, well, let's see, 12 yards on the ground. He only threw for 98, uh, you know, two touchdowns. You know, one of those right after an interception from Rudock. But the, the defense just did just an amazing job. You know, Anthony Hitchens just all over the place again. I think every game you can talk about him and go on and on with everything that he's done, you know, especially that huge play at the end that, that really sealed it for Iowa. Uh, Dustin came is just everywhere for a freshman. He's just been playing just absolutely outstanding all year. You know, James Morris again, he had a you know, sack on, on Gardner, that, and he was just so pumped for that game. You know, it was his last game in, in Kinnick, and, and I think just the whole defense was ready to go. Having said all of that about Iowa's defense, and, and Michigan still has some outstanding skill players, I think most of us would say this was one of the less productive Michigan offenses than we've seen in quite some time. You mentioned it. We've talked about it all year long. Again, the play of Iowa's trio of senior linebackers, all three of them had a terrific game. They combined for 22 tackles, five tackles for loss. And you talked about Hitchens, and no play was bigger in the game than the one where he forced Gardner to fumble the ball and recovered it inches from the sideline. It was amazing that that ball didn't go out of bounds. And, and I think a lot of that, too, I was in the Brady Hope um, post-game interview, and, and Brady even said he didn't know if, if Devin wanted to keep running or if he was going to try to go out of bounds or what it was. And I think maybe there was some of that indecision there that kind of caused him to lose sight of the ball and allowed Hitchens to get to it, strip it, and then somehow keep it in bounds and get it for Iowa. But that was just an amazing play, and I think just a, a great way for him to go out, final game at Kinnick, to go out like that. You talked about Desmond King. Just overall, I thought it was excellent play by Iowa's defensive backfield. Michigan's tight end, sophomore tight tight end Devin Funches, all-time leading receiver in terms of a tight end in Michigan history receiving yards in a season, and yet Iowa made him look really bad. He only had one catch for two yards, and, and Desmond King spent most of the day trying to corral wide receiver Jeremy Gallon, a, a Wolverine star, and he did a great job on him, too, by and large. Six catches, 47 yards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, a Michigan offense that really has been struggling on the ground through the air just overall, and when you go up against the defense like Iowa has had this year and the play by King that has just been outstanding. To hold somebody 
like Allen to, to 47 yards and not have these huge plays that, that he's known for. You know, and Funch is that one one catch is just amazing. You know, that he wasn't more productive in that offense on Saturday. It was just a fabulous job, you know, especially by a group that kind of has been maligned throughout the year for giving up big plays, especially at, at bad times in the game. But to see what they did against Michigan, you know, they, they really need to be proud of what they did because that Michigan's always just such a fabulous team and, and can really hurt you all the time, no matter on the ground through the air what it is. But to do what they did is just, just amazing to me. <laughs> a major contributor to, to allowing Iowa's linebackers to do what they do is a solid defensive line and the growth of the defensive line as a whole for Iowa this year I think has been outstanding. In this game, they controlled the line of scrimmage. They contained Devin Gardner. Trinka Passat, that guy has like a non-stop motor. He's got seven tackles and one tackle for loss. He looked like he was all over the field and in almost every play, as was Carl Davis, who had eight tackles, a half a sack, and two and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, I, I think Davis was really pumped up for this game. He mentioned um, afterwards that the whole defense was really ready to go, that James Morris even came over to the defensive line and, and kind of got them pumped up before the game. So I think they were just all kind of ready to, to make their final mark of the season at home and you know show what they could do and show that they have grown. And like you said, Davis and Jacob Bassat were just all over the place in Gardner's face and just keeping him off balance and keeping him just scrambling around all over the place, not really having anywhere to go. This Michigan rush offense has really not been very good this year. I think they had back-to-back games where they finished negative yardage on the ground, and they, against Northwestern, I think had 160 or 70-something, something like that. But, you know, to keep Gardner contained and to keep the, the ground game contained, they just did just an amazing job stopping this offense from doing anything at all. Well, it's hard to believe we're uh, coming to the close of the regular season. There will be a bowl game this year for Iowa, and uh, we thank you for your contributions all season long. Any closing thoughts as we look ahead? You know, it, it's been kind of an up-and-down season. I, early in the season, you didn't really know what to expect from this Iowa team. One day, the offense would be up. One game, it would be down. You just really, you didn't really know what to expect. And on the second half they, of games, they just really kind of have some issues. You know, like we talked about earlier, it really seemed that the attitude of the players and, and just talking to everybody after the game that they, they turned some kind of corner or they like Kirk said that they grew up to this game against Michigan. Now one more you have to go on the road at Nebraska and as much as Nebraska has struggled this year and, and had a lot of close games and, and lost some games that you know they wish they, they hadn't. You know, but they always seem to, to come through at the end. So it's gonna be a huge game for for Iowa to go to Lincoln and see what they can do again. So this kind of battered and bruised Nebraska team that's missing some starters and, and they've kind of been up and down as well, but to go into that hostile environment and see what they can do, see if they can get to those eight wins and improve their bowl position even more. You know, it's going to be interesting to see and then see how much that kind of carries over not only into the bowl game, but into next season. You're losing some really key players you know, going into next year. But with all the bowl preparation and everything, you know, a lot of these younger guys are going to get some work in. So I think it's def- things are definitely looking up. You know, I think some people would be surprised that Iowa has a chance to get to eight wins this year, you know, and especially early on. It didn't look like that was going to be a possibility, but but it's their credit. They really came back, and they've really played well when they've needed to, and, they, and they've got you know those wins. And credit to them that they have a chance to go to Nebraska and finish the season and, and get to eight and four, which would just be amazing for them. Yeah, hope you're all happy now. Good guy wins, bad guy loses. Big friggin' surprise. I love happy endings. And Rudolph takes the knee, and the celebration is on in Iowa City as the Hawkeyes close out the home. Stand. 
late with a 24-21 come-from-behind win over the Michigan Wolverines. And the first thing Kirk Ferris did was give a big hug to Phil Parker. And I can tell you, Phil, you deserve more than that. What a great effort by Phil Parker, Hawkeye defense. They had to do it in a come-from-behind fashion, outscoring Michigan 17 to nothing in the second half to get the 24-21 win. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Susan Dank. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll participate and that you'll come back for more. You can do so in terms of participating by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.